really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. Uh, we give you a great welcome. Glad to see you. Uh, glad to see all the regulars as well, of course. You enjoying this hot weather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. All the South Africans are going, absolutely, yes. So if you want to grab your seats. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, it's good to have you. We had a wonderful time of worship. Just exalting Jesus. Well done, Grace and team, for leading us in that and just making that space and room. Kerry, maybe you can do better than me. Good morning, everyone. It's really lovely to see you all. Um, hope you've had a fantastic week. We are thinking about parties today. Who likes a party? Yeah, lots of people saying they like the party. So just before we go on to our Bible reading, we are for our activity packs today. We've got a twirler for you to take home, hang out in your garden, decorate. And it says on there, I have called you by name, you are mine. Because however you're feeling this morning, that's true. He's called you by name. You're his. Whether you, feel that those, whether you can feel that those chains are broken or not, they are. Yeah. It might be that he just needs you to rest for a while before you can truly feel that they're broken. But they are broken. And then we've got the usual um, word search. <laughs> right, I am going to tell you a story because this is the sort of abuse that I get weekly. Lee messaged me at the end of the service last week and said one of the words were missing. And she was absolutely adamant. She was so cross with me and said that the word search didn't have one of the words in. Was the word there, Lee? No, it wasn't. But well, it wasn't when you put it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the word search with all the words on and a party colouring picture and then our usual. And particularly for those older children here, We've got our sermon sheet, so I would really encourage you to listen to David's message and to just highlight the points that really speak to you, because it's relevant to you, definitely relevant to you. And then a prayer sheet on the back as well. So that's what we've got in our activity pack today. Okay, carry on with the Bible reading? Yes. Okay, so those of you that are helping me with the Bible reading, if you'd like to come up, grab a microphone, you only need one. <clears throat> So what are the best things that you like about parties? Okay, so somebody said cake, somebody said food, anything else? Music, excellent, some really, really good music. Anything else? Dancing, definitely. People, wonderful. Anything else? 
Togetherness, fantastic. That's what a true party is, isn't it? Togetherness. Okay, well, we are going to think today about a Bible reading, a story that Jesus told. It's a parable. Jesus told stories, and they're called parables because they help us to understand. I think Jesus realized that we were going to need help just in the way that they did back then because sometimes we don't quite get it. So that he told the parables to help us understand what he was trying to say. And he was talking about a party. And the reason that he told this parable was because the disciples and the Pharisees had been arguing about who was sort of the best. They wanted the best seats. They wanted to be really up there with Jesus. And they thought they deserved it. And so he told a story about a party. And he said that there was a man and he'd prepared a party. He'd sent out all his invitations and the day came for the party and he started to get the party ready. So he got out everything you need for a party. Obviously, you need balloons. You can't have a party without balloons. We've already mentioned the food. So he got out the food. Very, very important, the cake. There's the cake. And some crisps. And he got out his juice. Yeah, he definitely got out quiche. It's not a party without quiche. And so... So he, he got the party ready, and he was all ready, had everything ready, was over by the party, and he said, right, it's time for the party, everyone, time to come. Oh, no. I was really stuffed up. I bought some cows yesterday, and I need to look after them. I've just remembered I'm married and need to be with my husband. <laughs> I'm so sorry, just realized my great land and house need my attention. Okay, we better go then. So, story of my life, I've got no one to come to my party. Aww. That wasn't quite loud enough. Aww. But the man in the part, in the uh, parable that Jesus was telling, the story that he was telling, he didn't then say, okay, I'll have a party by myself, or okay, I'll cancel, cancel the party. He said to his servants, go out. There are plenty of people out there that need a party. And he sent them out, and they came back. They came back with the poor. They came back with the people that were feeling sad. They came back with the people that needed healing. They came back with the people that probably had never been invited to a party in their life. And they came and they started the party. And they had enough people to have the party. But what I love about this story is he didn't stop there. He said, there are still people out there. Go out and bring them to our party. So they went back out until the whole place was absolutely heaving. And it was the best party that he'd ever had. So those Pharisees that had said, no, they needed to go and see to their cows, they missed out on the most amazing party. Isn't that an amazing story? And David's going to talk about that now. But we just want to tell you about a party that we're going to be having. Because if you remember last summer, um, in the summer holidays, every week we had a get-together here. And we had lots of families that came. And they came and watched um, a film. There was a film on. There were crafts. 
The garden was open and it was just a really sociable time. It was just a time of community. And we decided that we'd really like to do that again this year because we think it's really important. But one of the things that has been really been on our hearts is that there are families out there who are going to really struggle to feed their children this summer. There are families out there that their children get school dinners normally when they're at school, and they do get some money, but it's not enough to get their families fed. So what we would really, really like to do as a church community this summer is to also offer lunch. So we're going to invite people in, and it's not just for families. We want it to be um, an intergenerational event. We want lots of people to come. And then when they come, it, we're going to add an extra hour on at the end so that we can provide lunch. It's going to be fairly simple lunch. We're just going to do sandwiches and crisps and things. But we really want to be able to bless our community by doing this. Now, we will have our normal Little Stars team will be here. And Lee and Bill will be doing teas, coffees, cakes in their usual smiley self. And uh, that we, we're quite happy to do that. But we would really like our church community to be having this party. It's not a Little Stars venture. It's us as a church. So what we would really, really ask you to do is to pray, pray and consider if you can help us. We've got six Wednesdays. It's going to be on a Wednesday morning. Six Wednesdays during the holidays. What we would really love it is if within our church community we had different people who were prepared to support this and really go for this, just one Wednesday. It might be that you can support it financially. It might be that you know you can't take any time off work. You know that you're not going to be able to come and actually be here, but you want to support it financially. So if you can do that, if you can commit to that, please see me and we can put your name on the board. What we would really love, however, is that we have lots of members of our church here because that's why people are coming Actually, they're not interested in the film or the crafts. They need community. And so if you can commit to come in one Wednesday to help prepare the lunch, but also to be here to chat to those people that are coming, again, see me and I can put your name on the list. But we really, really want this to be a community event where we're all getting together and getting to know those people that so desperately need to be invited to the party. Excellent. Thank you, Kerry. If you'd, uh, any kids that are out in the garden by themselves, if you'd bring them in back to their parents so they can do the activity packs, that would be great. You need to turn those microphones off for me, guys. So let's pray, and then we'll get stuck in. We're in Luke 14, if you have your Bible with you, or if you have your app on your phone. Yeah, Father, we thank you for what we've already heard, and, and the challenge we've already heard that it, it may involve our commitment, it may involve our response. We pray as we come and we, we look at God's word that you'd help us understand what you're saying. Help us be impacted by the message that you spoke and in the way it spoke to the first hearers as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 14, if you have your Bible, um, Let's just look at a little bit of context of this so you know it. Uh, Jesus has gone to eat dinner in the, the home of a leading Pharisee. And that was something that, that, that often happened. But the Pharisees were these religious leaders who were basically trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trick him. 
they weren't really sincere about receiving the message, many of them. They weren't really sincere about being open to what Jesus had to say. And so Jesus comes to this dinner and they're trying to, they're trying to trick him. Uh, in verse 1 of chapter 14 it says, the people were watching him closely. So Jesus heals this guy and then the reaction is such that they're complaining that he's healing on a Sabbath. I said, hold on a minute here. If you have an, an animal that's hurt, are you not going to tend to it? Of course you are. So why would it be any less of a person who needs help? And then Jesus uses this as an example to teach about humility because as Kerry said, the Pharisees love party invites and they would hustle and bustle to get the best seats. You know, it's one of those things, it's a reverse of today's culture. Everyone wants to go to the back and no one wants to come to the front. It was a different culture in those days. Everyone wanted the top seats. Everyone wanted to be at the top table. And Jesus challenges this guy and says, well, you know, it's great that you have people here, but don't just invite people who can invite you back. Don't just invite people who are nice to you and who are responsive. And he then goes in to teach about humility. And, and this is revolutionary teaching. So let's come in in verse 12. Then he turned to his host, who's this Pharisee leader. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. That will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. On hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I've just bought a field, I must inspect it, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out, please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. It's not the fault of the wife. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys and towns and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After his servants had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. These Jewish religious leaders wouldn't accept the teaching of Jesus, but they didn't want others to follow as well. And Jesus makes the point that those who are on the guest list of the kingdom of God may be different than those who are on our guest list. Here's a couple of points I want to draw from this passage. A meal with Jesus reveals religious pride needs to be challenged. You know, so often when I'm talking to people or if I'm out sharing the gospel, and one of the first things they'll say to me is, oh, I'm not religious. Because they hear what I do or find out my job and say, oh, I'm not religious. And I go, fantastic, neither am I which really shocks them. What do you mean? Because for me, my faith is about a relationship with God. 
It's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. Jesus and religion are enemies. That's what the Bible actually teaches. Religion, Because religion is this bit where we try and make ourselves right by God, by our own works, by our own efforts, by our own righteousness, by keeping some rules. And what that actually does, it denies the mercy and the grace of God. But that's fundamental to, to Jesus' message. Paul later goes on in Ephesians 2 and says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. That's the truth of Jesus' message. None of us can boast. We are all the same. Grace is the great leveler. It doesn't matter about your bank balance or your car or your health or your education. Grace is the great leveler because we all need it. But religion comes and says, well, I can kind of live by my own way. I can do things my way. But the problem with that is, you never feel good enough for a right standing with God. Some of you have experienced that. You never feel good enough. No matter how much you do, no matter how much you repent of your sins, you never really have that, that feeling of knowing that your sins are forgiven, that knowing that you're secure, because what you're actually doing, the religious mindset, is denying the very work of Christ on the cross. It's denying this message of grace. It's denying this central truth that is the gospel. And some of you never understand forgiveness and the fact that you have been forgiven because you're not living in grace. You're still trying to be religious. You're still trying to earn the approval God has already given in Christ. We are accepted in Christ. That's the truth. Galatians has some strong words from the early church leader, Paul, for those who'd, who'd kind of diverted. He said, you started off well, but actually you've missed the grace of God. And it's so easy to do because we get into a works mentality. We get into a religious mentality. This is what he says. For if you're trying to make yourselves right by, with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Because religion is all about what you do, not what Christ has done. It's all about the traditions. It's all about what you are meant to be doing. And it can nullify the word of God. In fact, Jesus says that in Mark 7, verse 13. He said to religious leaders, you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition." And that's what they'd done time and time again. The message of grace that Jesus preached, they were saying, yeah, but you need this as well. And you have to do this. And this is how you have to do. And they were absolutely religious, excuse the pun, in keeping those things. They, they even tithed on their herbs and spices. But Jesus says, you have missed the wider issues of mercy and grace in the gospel religion is all about tradition and Jesus was absolutely furious with religious people because religion brings death to you in fact Paul says the letter of the law brings death it's only the spirit that brings life into us it's the work of the Holy Spirit and in Matthew 23, Jesus reserves some, some of his most serious words for religious leaders. Now, if you're reading it in old money, some of you may have versions that say, woe is me. 
And in this passage, Jesus goes through seven woes on the religious leaders. But I, I actually like the way the New Living Translation puts it. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? What sorrows await you? And Jesus never condemned sinners. He never condemned sinners. In fact, he repeatedly, remember John chapter 8, he says the woman caught in adultery. Were those that condemn you? Well, they've gone. So I don't condemn you, but leave your life of sin. So he doesn't give us a license to live whatever way he wants, but he doesn't condemn those who are caught up in sin. Who he does condemn is religious leaders who by their own traditions, thanks very much, by their own traditions nullify the word of God because then it becomes about the traditions and the rules and the regulations. And Jesus says seven times in this passage, what sorrow awaits those people? Jesus was furious with those who promoted dead religion. He was not interested in it. In Luke chapter 17. You begin to see how serious Jesus takes this. One day Jesus said to his disciples. There will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea. With a millstone hung around your neck. Than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourself. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there's repentance, forgives. Even if that person wronged you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed the, the connection between forgiveness and faith before. Because I think that thought when it comes to grace and when it comes to forgiveness, there's a limit. In fact, Peter says to Jesus at one point, how many times should I forgive, Lord? Is it up to seven times? Because Peter thought he was doing well because the religious kind of teaching at the time said three times and then you don't have to forgive. So he thought, I'll double it and add one for good measure. And Jesus said, no, actually, you really have to forgive from the heart and you have to keep do on doing that as long as someone comes to you and wants that forgiveness. Jesus and religion are enemies. He was furious with those who promoted dead religion. On Friday night, we, we gave a handout out as we were praying and we talked about some of the things that actually are, can be dead religion in our life. There's a handout here and on the notes that'll be on the website, there will be more kind of things that we're talking about that for the sake of time, I'm not gonna do it today. But there's more notes on what, what dead religion looks like in our life and how it can easily creep in. So there's a handout if you want it and there'll be stuff after the service that goes on the website. But Jesus is not impressed with religious pride. It's why the Bible's so severe against pride. You need to kill pride in your life because it will stop you embracing God's grace. Secondly, a meal with Jesus reveals excuses are not valid. <laughs> I mean, we laugh at the excuses, don't we? Even Benny laughed at the excuses. We know that these excuses are not really valid. Who would forget they're gonna get married that day? Now you may forget the anniversary afterwards, guys, and you may need prompted and reminded, but 
you're not going to forget the day you're meant to get married. So this excuse isn't really a valid excuse. And in the story of the invitations in first century Judaism, what would have happened if someone is, is throwing a party or a feast or a banquet? They would have sent the RSVPs out and they would have got an idea of, of how many people were coming. And in the social circles of the time, it was big kudos to be invited to a party. In, in that kind of society, as some societies that you have come from, what parties you're invited to determines your social status. Yeah? So if you get the invite to, to that party, you're in. And so what party you got invited to was a measure of your social status. To refuse an invitation, therefore, ended up being a real slap in the face. So we sent out the RSVPs, and as I've seen done in India many a time, when, when food comes, the pastor or someone will, will send someone out and say, right, go and get everybody. Bring them in, because we're about to serve the food. Come on, get them in. And so it would have been a normal course that the master would have said to the servant, right, the banquet's going to be ready. You need to go out and get people and bring them in. So these people had already said they were coming to the party. These are people had already accepted the invitation. So when he goes to them, they're beginning to make excuses that are a slap in the face. In fact, to, re to refuse that second invitation could be seen as a, a bit of a conspiracy to discredit the host. That's how serious it was. And, and, and we don't think about that, do we? Because it's not such a, an issue for us. But there are cultures where if you don't turn up, you're actively trying to discredit the host. And that's the seriousness of what Jesus is saying here. So when these excuses come, they're absolutely laughable. Who, who's going to pay money for for the oxen, for the animals, without first checking them out, without first having a bit of a test run. It just wouldn't have happened. So they all revealed that the issue was the issue of their heart. All the excuses they were making, they weren't real. They were made up because it was revealing something about the heart. They didn't really want to come. There's something better to do with their time. An interpretation in Jesus' day of this whole parable, and the Pharisees, those who were listening, would have understood it, that when Jesus came as the Messiah and he gave this message of grace to people, there was absolutely no valid reason and no excuse why the Jewish people should not have accepted it. He came fulfilling the prophecies that they were given. He came fulfilling the traditions that they were given, where he was born, where he lived up, all of this pointed to the Messiah. The very miracles were confirmation of what had been prophesied 700 years before the birth of Christ. So these very religious leaders should have been wholeheartedly embracing Christ, not looking to find flimsy excuses to trip him up, not looking for excuses to test him as they did many times. They had every reason to accept him as the Messiah. And so the host finds himself in this predicament. What's he going to do? Give up? No, of course he's not. We know from the reading that he, he sends people out. Jesus is now extending the invitation to those who are not Jews. The Bible says that the message was first to the Jews and when they wouldn't accept it, it came to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. It came to us 
we get the opportunity to be part of the gospel because we have an extended invitation. We haven't been shut out. Jesus is going. The message is meant to be for everyone. And Jesus makes a sharp rebuke to this Pharisee. And they knew what, what he was saying. Verse 24 of Luke 14. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. This is serious stuff Jesus is saying. If we don't respond to his invitation, if we don't follow him in the way he wants us to, then maybe we won't get that opportunity at a later stage. Because lots of people, when you're sharing with them, say, oh, I have plenty of time for that. I'll do that when I'm older. I'll do that when I'm more settled. I'll do that when I'm less busy in work. I'll do that when, when, when the kids are older, I'll come to church. But they never do because it's not about the excuse. It's not about the circumstances. It's really about the condition of the heart. And Jesus cuts right through to that and says, there is no valid reason for you not to accept the invitation of Christ. Inside the town would have been the poor, the beggars, the crippled. Outside of the town, which is where he then sends them to, would have been the criminal element, those who would have been shunned, those who would have been unwelcome in, in many homes. And yet Jesus even extends the invitation to them. Finally, a meal with Jesus does reveal the heart of God for all. Jesus himself says that the master doesn't want an empty house. And that's the truth of the gospel message. There's always more room for people to come. I remember talking to a guy who, 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 who left the church. <laughs> he said he was the pastor of the church and someone came to him and said, oh, I'm, I'm leaving this church because there's too much evangelism in this church. <laughs> and he actually stopped him and says, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I want to hear you say that again because I'm going to quote you for the rest of my life. <laughs> he said, I'm leaving the church because there's too much evangelism in the church. And while we may be shocked of that, I've heard similar things. Oh no, we don't want the church to get too big. You know, we like it as it is. We like knowing everyone. We like knowing everyone's names. Have you read the Gospels? Now, the size of the church is not determined by me. It's determined by God's plans and purposes. But I tell you what, God wants more people in. Yes. And we have no right to exclude anyone. Whatever their background, whatever their circumstances, we have no right. And we have no right to say, oh, I think the church is big enough now. <laughs> we have no right to say that. Now, the challenge is as church uh, grows and, and develops, as Kerry said earlier, the challenge is to keep that community but that's a different scenario. That's a different question. That's a different rule. But what, from what Jesus says, he wants everyone. He wants his house to be full. The statement that prompted the whole parable is in verse 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus tells the story. So that's the response. That's the interpretation. That's the understanding. This guy has grasped when he realized, wow, 
the kingdom of God, as Paul says, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't we want that for ourselves? Why wouldn't we want that for everyone that we know? Why wouldn't we want to share that good news? It is good news because it's God's grace. It's not about religion. It's not about our works. It's not about our efforts. It's not about being good enough. It's what Christ has done for us. That's the good news. Why wouldn't we want everyone to share that? The poor, the maimed, the downtrodden, the common people who were considered unclean and would never get an invite to a Pharisee's house. You know, they were called the bruised ones. That was their nickname because, and even today, if you go, even if you're stuck on a plane with an Orthodox Jew, he will not speak to you. He won't even give you eye contact because they will keep their heads down and they will walk, and this is what they did. They were called the bruised ones because they would keep their heads down, boom, and suddenly they'd be walking into things. And they'd get bruised because they didn't want to taint themselves with anyone who they considered unclean. And Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Again, we, we don't quite get the force of this because of the language. But let's, let's look at it. Verse 23, Luke 14. So the master says, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. The word that's used there, it, it literally means to compel, to force, to strongly urge, to press on. Have you ever had someone who won't take no for an answer? Have you ever had someone who are so compelling in their envelope, they're, they're really pressing on you and you don't really want to go, you don't really want to do, but they're just, no, come on, come on. Or if any of you have ever watched Father Ted and, yep, it's, go on, go on, you will, you will, have a cup of tea, go on, you will. Mrs. Doyle was very determined in giving people cups of tea. I find Christians are less determined with the gospel. We're less determined because we don't want to be offended or we don't want anyone to, to be offended. We don't want anyone to reject us. We're, we're afraid of, of rejection. And yet Jesus comes and says, we must urge, we must compel people. We must press on them. No, you should be here. Come on. God is at work, but he needs us to take up our responsibility he needs us to extend the invitation, whether that's to the six weeks in the summer with lunch provided. Come on, some of you can make some effort to do that. Some of you can not make an excuse to say, well, I can't be there because. Why not take a day off work? Why not take a morning off? Why not do something that says, you know what? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna get involved because there are people outside that need to hear. You know, we have people that are coming because of those invitations, because of what's happening in Little Stars, because of the evangelism team being out in the street. We know that people are doing that. We need to take up the banner of sharing the good news. See, that's part of our vision statement as a church. It's right there on the wall if you've never read it. Our vision to bring the good news of new life in Jesus. That's part of what we say we believe. <laughs> When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? When was the last time 
you told someone about the gospel message? When was the last time you shared good news of new life in Jesus? And you know one of the sad things? Most Christians have never led another person to Christ. Never. And yet we have this responsibility. We have this opportunity. We are told to compel people. We need to be good at doing this. Why? Because it's not just for us. You remember the story of Hannah that was childless and she was provoked by the second wife who seemed to have ease in bearing children and she was provoked and she comes, comes to God's house and Eli the priest is a bit concerned because she, she looks as if she's drunk. She's kind of mumbling under her breath. She's interceding. She's calling on God. And we know that God answered her prayer and gave her a son, Samuel, who became a great prophet in the nation. But in 1 Samuel 1.11, it talks about that, that she asked for a son, but actually the word that's used means so much more than that. Do you know what Hannah actually asked for? She said, can I have a seed for the next generation? Wow. You see, Hannah looked beyond just simply saying, God, give me a son to meet my needs. Give me a son for me to take away my disgrace. She knew that in sharing her son, as she did with God and with his work, that she was sowing a seed into the next generation. That's why we do the things we do. That's why we're called to do the things we do. That's why the evangelism team was out again. And you're going out again next week, Saj, is that right? 1 p.m. If you want to meet here at 1 p.m., go out share some leaflets, just talk to people. I think yesterday there were four or five churches out in the town center. Isn't that amazing? The churches are, are, are doing it, are, are beginning to seize. It's not just what it used to be, maybe one church or the lone person, but actually a number of churches in our town are beginning to realize we have an opportunity and responsibility, not to manipulate people, but to tell them the good news because people don't know it. They don't know the good news. They have no idea of the story. But we have an opportunity and responsibility. See Saj afterwards if you want to get involved that next Sunday. And the hope is if there's enough of a team to go out every Sunday, just simply saying, can we help you? Can we pray for you? Can we tell you good news? That's why we're in Burley Woods again on Wednesday. Because for many of them, truthfully, from month to month, you may not know if a person's going to be alive. That's reality. When we were in Belfast, we started our ministry on the street and in the nursing homes. I tell you what, you have to be fast, Ron. You have to be sharp. No long sermons there. You've got about five, six minutes, and if you don't catch them, it's... <laughs> and, and even on a good day, they might still do that. But who knows what seed we're sowing, what opportunity through the evangelism team, through Burleys, through the opportunities that we're getting in the Oaks School. Kerry and I have, have kind of made a decision that we've been given another opportunity to do a second lunch club in the Oaks School. So that means come September, we'll be in three lunch clubs. We have an opportunity for the next generation. Yes. We have an opportunity. So do you know what? We'd love you to be part of it. We can organize the program. We, we can take the lead on it. But we do need helpers. We do need people who will come in for just that one hour over the lunchtime. And the kids are so funny. They're amazing. They love me. What can I say, Kerry? They do. 
what can I say? It must be the puppets. We had 120 of them here from the Oak School. Do you know, we joke about that, but do you know how uncomfortable I feel about, about me doing kids' ministry? How I go back to sticking my hand up a puppet, I have no idea. But for the sake of the gospel, I'll do it. That's, that's the truth. And we made that decision. We are probably going to have to say no to some other stuff in order to do that. And why are we going to do that? For the sake of mission. For the sake of reaching people. For the sake of reaching the next generation. That's what Psalm 78 talks about. It talks about, I will declare the wonders of God to the next generation. We have an opportunity. We have a responsibility. Will you pray for us? Will you get involved? Whether it's the six weeks as a short term, whether it's the lunch club. They, they just love having different people in. It's a great opportunity for us. It's fulfilling God's word. It's fulfilling our vision. God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. The heart of God is for everyone. It's for all. Doesn't matter their background. Doesn't matter their circumstances. God's heart is for everyone to know him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise we have. That's the promise of scripture. Everyone who calls. But how can they call in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless we're sent to them? But we are. 42 times in the gospel of John, there is a phrase, he who sent me, or a little variation of that. 42 times in the gospel of John, Jesus is living with this sense of divine mandate to reach others. That's what he said when people said to him, stay here, stay here. We really like having you here. He said, no, no, no. I must go and preach to others as well. That's why for me personally, not only involved in the schools, however uncomfortable I am, that's why as well, after the summer, I'll be gone again to Nigeria, God willing, to Pakistan, God willing, because I believe as part of my ministry is to other nations as well. I'm going to do a month of mission. I should have done it a while back. COVID interrupted all of that. But I'm doing a month of mission because I believe this is important. There's a harvest field in Nigeria. I know that. I know there's a harvest field in Pakistan. Muslims get saved, healed, and delivered when we preach the gospel there with no problem. I can tell you that for a fact. So for me, part of that cost Part of that uncomfortableness, last time I was in Pakistan, it was 43 degrees. That's hot for a white Irishman, Olive. That's hot. That's three showers a day hot. That's uncomfortable. Why am I willing to do that? For the sake of the gospel. People responded in, in various ways to the teaching of Jesus. I'm going to conclude with this. And today people continue to respond in different ways to the mess of Jesus. But what about you? Maybe today you can identify an area of religious pride in your life. Maybe it's an area where you think, no, 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 I don't need God for that. I can do this. Maybe you need to come back to God and deal with that religious pride in your life. It will kill your spiritual life.
Maybe stop making excuses why you can't do what God is asking you to do. <laughs> We're so good at that, aren't we? We can find 101 reasons not to do it. Maybe today God's looking for someone who's a heart of openness towards him. Maybe for some of you, it starts sharing the good news or serving in a ministry here that does. There's plenty of opportunities, folks. Throw a stone in any direction from this building and we'll find people who need to hear the good news. That's why we're doing it. It's not just in the nations, it's in our neighborhoods and in our networks. People need to hear the good news of Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement it brings to us, but we also realize it brings some challenge to us. <laughs> for that tradition, you're not looking just for people to go through the motions. Lord, you're looking for people with a heart for you who put aside their pride, who put aside their traditions, who make room for you in every area of their life. Father, would you help us be those people that you could have a full house, that your kingdom could be full, that we could populate heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Keegan, why don't you come and start the announcements with giving and then I'll come and finish the rest. Handheld, guys. Morning, everyone. Um, so as we do each week, we take a few minutes to talk about giving. Um, and today, the scripture I wanted to share was uh, Malachi 3.10, which is, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take any in. Try it, put me to the test. And this is actually the only time in the Bible where God actually tells us to test him uh, with our giving. And he says, you know, you'll have so much room that there won't be any place for more. Um, so I wanted to share that today with you um, as encouragement. But also I wanted you to know that it's not just about uh, because the word says give and you won't have space in your storeroom. It's about the heart as well as, as, we've, as we've learned over the past year or so as we've spoken about giving. In 2 Corinthians 9, it also tells us that you must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure um, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So it isn't about just, you know, testing the Lord. This is about the heart as well, um, as, as Paul teaches us here. So if you do want to give here, we don't send out the offering bags anymore, um, th but there's a number of ways that you uh, can give, and I think we have a slide for that. So there's some envelopes at the back in the corner there with a little brown box. If you would like to give in cash, you can put it in those envelopes, fill in details at the back and pop it in the box. Um, oh, as you can see, there's a number of other ways. There's bank transfer. Uh, you can scan the QR code to take, us, take you to our secure giving page, um, or you know, go on the church app and all of the banking details are there. They're on the envelope um, as well. I wanted to also talk about uh, gift aid. So if you...
do work in the UK and you do pay tax and you do give in the church, you can fill in a gift aid form uh, and that just allows us to claim back 25% of whatever you give from, from the government. So if you give £10, we get £2.50 back from the government uh, on that. And that's a huge help to us each year. Uh, I think our last claim was in the region of about £9,000. And we as a church, we tithe from that as well. So we do give um, to um, places like India and Pakistan. Um, and, and honestly, that's... I can't, I can't even express how uh, big a help that is, and we'll talk more about it. David's going to talk about the um, uh, members meeting, but w you know, we'll talk more about it then, you know, what we do with that, that sort of thing. So if you know you haven't signed a gift aid form, please see Liz or myself, and we'll give you a form um, to sign up. Uh, and at the members meeting as well, we may um, send out some forms for you to sign. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the rest of the announcements for me, please start with the, the welcome one. So if you are a guest here uh, and you'd like to uh, fill out a welcome card, I usually follow that up sometime on Sunday afternoon uh, just with a text or, or, or an email message to welcome you. Uh, if you're online, if we're still on stream, you can fill that in online, newlifequality.church forward slash connect, uh, and we'll pick up those details. We can pray for you. Uh, we can make contact with you, so that would be great. Thank you. Uh, next week is a little bit different. Uh, so Bev is actually going to be preaching next week. <clears throat> so you get a cheer, I don't. Um, so there won't be a stream. So if you're not here, sorry, there will be a stream, but we're going to pre-record stuff um, that won't include Bev preaching. It'll be me. So there's an incentive to be here. Uh, so what we'll put out on the stream will go out as we used to do when we were in COVID, it'll go out at 11 o'clock automatically online. So the only way you're going to get to hear Bev is if you are physically present here. All right? Uh, and some of you will know the reasons for that. So if you want an opportunity to hear Bev next week, then be here. Simple as that. Thank you, guys. One of the things we have talked about a number of times is this ministry gifts. Uh, some of you will know what I'm talking about when I talk about the APEST gifts. Some of you have done it and not been able to follow up uh, on kind of cementing that and, and working that through in your life. Uh, and just because of um, various combinations, really, of circumstances, we haven't been able to ha have a night on that. So if you've done your APES gift profile and you know what I'm talking about, come along this Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, and we'll go through that a little bit more and we'll talk about your gifting and how that can um, lead you to be more fulfilled in using your gifts and in serving the ministry of God. If you've no idea what I'm talking about and you'd like to find out more, then you can come along as well and we'll explain what it is we're actually going to do. So if you want to find out more about spiritual gifts, but your ministry, what you should be doing and how you should be doing it, then Wednesday at 7.30, please. That would be great. Thank you. Ladies, you're having a retreat coming up soon. So I think we have about 20 people booked into that already. Uh, I think next Monday will be the last time you're able to book. Um, so if you haven't booked in, that's a QR code. Uh, you can do that. So I'll move out of the way. You can scan that on your phone. Uh, you can do that. We can leave that up after the service for a little bit as well. Um, the guys are organizing that. It's going to be a great day for you. An opportunity to build relationship with other ladies, uh, but a, more importantly, an, an opportunity to encounter Jesus. 
uh, and make space for that. So we encourage you to be part of that. Guys, I'm going to throw this one out just off the cuff. If you want to come down and have a breakfast, I mean, pray and fast. (laughs) Uh, uh, If you want to come down uh, and have a cooked breakfast for me, I'm not buying, you'll pay your own, I'm afraid. But if you want to come and have a cooked breakfast with me and see me afterwards, I'm happy to gather some of the guys and we'll go out for a cooked breakfast uh, at a local joint. So that's an opportunity for you. Whoever turns up, turns up. Uh, I'm not going to chase people on that one, but there you go. Yeah, uh, we have a members meeting on the Wednesday the 20th. We don't do this very often at all, but I'm encouraging all of you who are members of New Life um, to come to that meeting. We want to talk really some important stuff about the future, uh, about your involvement in that, things we want to see developed. So that's going to be on Wednesday the 28th of June. If you want to check if you're a church member, then Liz should have that list ready and available. Um, and Dee's coming into membership today. Where's Dee gone? I can't see Dee. Because Dee was ill last week, so uh, Kerry's going to come in, in a minute and bring Dee into that membership. Um, so Dee's definitely going to have to be there now, isn't she, really? <laughs> so, I mean. so if you're a church member, um, we believe it does matter. Um, and we're going to talk about some future stuff related to that. Have I anything else? I can't even remember what my announcements are. Community, that's the membership. So Kerry, why don't you come? Uh, Ian and David will join us in a moment when we pray for Dee. So Dee, yeah, you come as well. Okay, so we did, last week, um, we welcomed people into membership, but obviously you weren't very well, Dee, so it's really, really lovely that you're taking this decision to join us, because as we've been saying, we can't do this journey on our own, and so actually being a member of our community is hugely, hugely important. And uh, one thing that Dee would have looked at already, before she decided to become a member, was the four things that we feel are really important if we're a member of our community. And the first one is that we'll protect the unity. Unity is so important. If we're not living in unity with each other, we don't stand a chance of sharing Jesus' love out there. So protecting the unity within our community is really important. Um, It's also important to share the responsibility. So to share with each other, but also to share out there. And what we've been talking about today, to actually serve And I know you're already doing that in lots of ways already. So uh, it's really exciting that you're going to carry on doing that. And then to support the testimony. We've all got a testimony to talk about what Jesus has done for us. And so we support that in lots of different ways. And so, Dee, I know you're already doing that. I know you're very good at the technology, which if you ever need a hand, just ask me. (laughs) Uh, But it's brilliant how you're already doing that. You laugh too loud there, Michelle. It's brilliant how you're already doing that, and we are really, really excited that you are becoming a member of our church community and will support all those four things. So how we officially do it, How we officially do a day is, is it does in the Bible. They came and they, they welcomed it. It was called the Right Hand of Fellowship. We would call it a handshake. We officially welcome people and say, we're glad you belong. We're glad you're part of this church. We love having you here, and we pray God's blessing on you as we do that. So Ian and David are elders with us. So uh, David, if you, if you would pray for, for Dee, and we'll pray God's blessing on her. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have brought Dee, Lord. 
not just to this country, Lord, you brought her to this church. Lord, and we thank you so much, Lord, for the, the privilege of getting to know her. And Lord, as we kind of officially recognize her membership here today, Father, we pray that her time with us will be a tremendous blessing to her. Mm. Father, I pray she'll grow in her knowledge and the love of the Lord Jesus. Lord, and as you bless her, I pray you'll help her as she blesses us. Lord, I pray you'll help us to look after her and care for her. Mm. Lord, as she will for us. So we just thank you for this time now. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Dave. Do you want to say anything? No. <laughs> I, I assume that was the case, but we do like to give opportunity. So thank you very much. God bless you. So the worship team are going to come and lead us in one final song. And for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a song that Amelia and Keegan have written. We have sung it before, so many of you will know it. It's called In Him I Will Trust. So let's make that our declaration as we have tea and coffee together. If you need prayer today, then we'll be up the front. A number of us will be praying. Uh, Justin's asked for prayer today as well, so we're going to pray for that. So God bless you. Let's sing this song and then have some refreshments together.
you may the lord keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you may the lord be gracious towards you and give you peace go in peace in the name of the lord jesus amen thank you so much for joining us today we hope that you enjoyed the teaching we'd love to hear from you so please contact us all the details can be found on our website god bless